This is the Playwork Podcast. I'm Erin, and it's just me today. If you've listened to our show before, you've heard us mention Jill Wood and how much we love her. Jill Wood established Adventure Playground at the Parish School in Houston, Texas back in 2008. Now the playground is three acres of dreamy loose parts play. You can go to our website for some pictures, uh, playworkpodcast.com, because they just have tons of cool loose parts, but also they have these really beautiful, kooky custom structures that they've built over the years. It's just a really exciting space visually. Some demographics. 70% of the attendees at Adventure Playground are students at the parish school. The school itself serves kids who are neurodiverse and experience language delays and communication differences. The playworkers use what's called a social model of disability and rarely know a child's diagnosis on the playground. They look instead to each child themselves and support the child in ways that they are demonstrating that they need. The remaining 30% of kids who play there come after school from wherever they live by their parents or caregivers. Wes Hamner is also in the episode today, and he is the lead playworker at Adventure Playground, and he is really good at his job too, as you will see. These two together are a real super team. But this episode, unfortunately, isn't about their amazing physical play space that has developed and evolved over 10 years. It's about starting over from scratch online. Like many playworkers, Jill and Wes are navigating how to support children's play while observing social distancing. Jill describes how when they first received the stay-at-home orders after spring break, she was in a bit of a quandary. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this. I very quickly wanted to release our families from any financial obligations to us, but I also realized we were losing contact with 40 kids overnight. She didn't want to lose her connections with the kids or for them to lose their connection with each other or access to their playful lives. And I was trying to think of a platform that we could use as quickly as possible. They had been referencing Minecraft in their play for 10 years, probably. (laughs) And so I knew it was part of our playground anyway. Minecraft. Jill and Wes decided together to attempt to move their playground online into Minecraft. Now, if you've never heard of Minecraft, or if you have and don't exactly know what it is, which was me, I'd heard of it, but I didn't really know, here's a little rundown. Basically, Minecraft is a sandbox game. It's a world that doesn't have a specific storyline or a specific goal that you're trying to achieve. It's a world where you exist and do things, whatever you want. Sound familiar? (laughs) You can do anything you want with anything you find. The players can interact with the environment and with other players to create pretty much whatever they want in the world, whether it's building forts, fighting dragons, opening a pet store, whatever. So Jill and Wes checked in with the kids to see if they were on the right track. They were pretty methodical about it, actually. We started off by emailing all of our families and asking if they wanted a phone call from one of us. And then... Wes and I, and mostly Wes, (laughs) spent a week and a half calling every child and having about a 30-minute conversation with them, which was really nice just to check in. During the course of that conversation, we would ask them if they were interested in Minecraft, was it something they liked or something they wanted to try? 
they got a positive response, so they tapped into lessons they'd learned from the physical playground that had made them successful there. When we first started Adventure Play, we only had eight kids, and it was sort of ideal because we could work out what playwork looked like in that space with these kids at that time. And so I think those smaller groups have been really important. So lessons here so far. Look to the kids. What are they already interested in? Cross-check your instincts by reaching out and having actual conversations with people and start small. They courted a small group of kids and started with about eight who already liked playing Minecraft and had at least played it before. And they got the ball rolling. Now, I should say that Jill and Wes themselves have never played Minecraft before. (laughs) They basically have no idea what they're doing, and they've just heard the kids talk about it for a million years. It seemed like a good setup for playwork because they're better than we are at it. (laughs) And I'll say that this episode is not a tutorial. If you actually want to do this work with your community, check out a webinar that they've got coming up on June 17th, 2020. That's actually two days from the release date of this podcast episode. It's free. I'll post a link on our website, playworkpodcast.com. At the webinar, Jill and Wes will be talking about all of this in a lot of detail, answering questions specifically about how to create a realm and some of the nuts and bolts around that. But at the time, they were just working it out on their own by calling friends and watching a bunch of YouTube tutorials. They just figured it out. We are going to talk about how things went. Here's what you need to know to follow the story. Bear with me here. I know this is a lot of talking. I'm almost done, and there are kids coming up. In Minecraft, there are a few modes to play in. There's survival mode and creative mode. In survival mode, you start off with limited resources. You have to discover resources and build tools. And of course, your character can die. In creative mode, you have unlimited resources, and you don't die. The realm that Wes created was in creative mode. There are templates for realms, which is basically the world that you're in, based on different landscapes. So you can play Minecraft underwater, in an underwater world, or in Antarctica. Wes chose one very similar to the landscape of their own environment in Houston. Imagine a wild, infinite landscape with open prairies, rivers, and lakes. Like walking into an unexplored natural habitat. Like a blocky, kinda cheerfully pixelated habitat. Anyway, so Wes wanted to make the realm that they'd be playing in appealing. And so I went in and started building some little structures. Um, We wanted the kids to be able to come into the world and have some familiarity with it, remembering things from AP. So we built some of the uh, well-known to the kids landmarks and tried to approximate them as as close as we could. Like like there's a a big concrete hard top where the kids do a lot of building and stuff like that on the real adventure playground. So we recreated that and created a little welcome center and stuff like that. Jill said her first day in the Minecraft playground with that small trial group of eight kids, she breathed a sigh of relief. It's been really nice and exciting to see how quickly it became theirs. And by that, of course, she means they destroyed it. They didn't just destroy it. They decimated it. They put lava all over it. Within five minutes of starting the first session, the welcome house that had been built for the kids was on fire. And then by the end of that play session, almost everything that we had built was either on fire 
completely destroyed or covered in lava. During that session, the kids asked me to, to start it back over the next time. They did it again. Like the way, if you go into the realm now, you can still find the place where all of that was, but it's a big lava pool. After that, after they had destroyed all of that, they started building and they started getting invested in their own things. And at that point, only one kid wanted it started back over. Everyone else was like, no, 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 don't, don't change anything. This is, this is what we're working on. I love this about playwork and playworkers, that all of the thoughtfulness and meticulous work that goes into building and infrastructure for the kids, and they come in and they just tear it all down. And that's when you know you're onto something. One of the things that I felt the first time I went on to Minecraft was this sense of peace for me as a playworker because it was so familiar. When I was in Minecraft, I just felt myself relax. I was like, oh my gosh, they have access to play. And they have access to each other. And they're not being hovered over. Like so many boxes were being ticked. Something about the space, even in the digital realm, signaled to the kids, go ahead, you can make this your own. Everything in the game at this point, almost all of it is child built or at least child manipulated. So once the ball got rolling and more kids started coming, the playwork shifted from all that prep and logistics into playworking in the internet. And this was Simon. Simon hasn't been in here. Ever since? Who blew it up? They've set up a simultaneous Zoom call since there's no, like, talking back and forth in the Minecraft game itself. So they launch this Zoom call that all the kids log into, and it's basically chaos. Somebody ruined the full thing. Stop it! I'm not doing anything! Can you teleport me with you to to email? Stop! Stop! I just finished making the portal. What's happening? I just finished making a portal. I've been in the realm when there is a full house, and it is it is a full house. Hey, Jill. Oh, Lucas, he doesn't know how to get in. Who's on top, Wes? Look, who's on top? She doesn't know how to get in without permission. look. There are kids who are still learning how to make basic tools, and they're just trying to figure out how the game works. And then there are kids who have been playing and have their own realms and can do some of the coding themselves. And they, in a way, lose, no, not in a way, they lose patience <laughs> with the kids who are trying to figure it out, who accidentally destroy stuff all the time. Sorry. Um, How dare you? Sorry. No. Stop it. Somebody ruined the full thing. So as far as skill levels go, Wes is the one who manages that. So kids that don't know how to build tools, he helps them build tools. They don't know how to get from one place to another, or they're just lost in the infinite habitat. He has this sort of executive power in the game to move a player from one place to the next. So kids on the Zoom call are often calling on Wes for that kind of support while they develop the skills to do it themselves. Hey, Wes, can you teleport me to Emmy? To his his secret hideout? Is that okay with Emmy? Sure. 
Saba, where teleport are you? Teleport to me. Ask Wes to teleport me. Wes, can you teleport me? In the house, yay! Teleport to Me to Saba. Is that Elise? Yes. Hey, who's in my room? Can you teleport me to Saba? I am. I'm typing it in. He's taught himself codes. He moves kids from one place to another. One of the things that he does as a play worker that I see him doing all the time on Adventure Playground, the physical space, is he puts kids where they want to be. And on AP, that might mean helping them create a space that's theirs. But in Minecraft, he physically moves them. <laughs> so they'll say, can you take me to the hangout house? And I see him there like, you know, doing his commands and moving them. And so a lot of what he's doing is literally moving things and people to where the children want. That's been really inspiring to watch. Guys, come here, come here, come here, guys. Whoa, that's cool. What's happening, know. Ruby? Somebody keeps making new cats. Are you making me? There are unique challenges for sure. But I think that we also see some similar difficulties that we'll see on the playground. You know, there are a lot of similar sources of conflict. The sense of pride in what you make and other people not respecting it, that's something that comes up a lot on our physical playground that is definitely part of Minecraft. Ruby, why do you keep breaking the pistons? Your, the things you made is actually not working. It is working though. But the one part is not. I don't care, it's my idea and I can Where are you? But the pits will escape. Ruby, okay. stop. Who's Dragon 48? That's Emmy. What? That's Emmy. Emmy, why did you blow it up? I didn't. Stop. I got to teleport to you. What? I don't know who blew it up. It was, and it was also a you know, Conflict is always going to come up with any group of, of people, you know, whether it's children or adults. Uh, given enough time, there's going to be some conflict. But the types of conflict that come up, like the destroying of, of other people's builds, when I watched a kid spend half an hour or more building something, and then somebody put down some TNT and it's gone now. In a physical space, I think we would do a lot more just talking it out, trying to do that in a Zoom call while there's still TNT being laid down is more complicated. So sometimes on those, I guess, harder days, Sometimes I would be much more, I don't know, it's hard to say that I'm more heavy handed because it's a digital space, but things like there's a setting that I can change that makes it so that a character cannot interact with the world. Um, it turns them into what's called a visitor. So they'll try to dig or they'll try to build or they'll try to break and it won't work anymore. And it takes a minute for them to realize, oh wait, what's changed? But like taking away a child's ability to interact with the space seems really, really non-play worky. But sometimes I had no other option until I could get them talking about what was going on. And most of the time the kids themselves are the ones that come up with the rules. Like the other kids were the ones who 
said, hey, if somebody breaks somebody else's building, they shouldn't be able to do anything. They all agreed to it at the beginning. So in some ways, it still felt like it was child culture and everything, but it still felt a lot more heavy-handed than I would ever do in a real space outside of safety concerns, you know. Well, I just want to make sure that it's understood. The times that I have had to take those abilities away was almost universally just a few seconds. (laughs) Hey, hold on, you're breaking somebody's house. Listen to them, and then they talk it out. A big breakthrough for the playworkers was using the Zoom breakout room feature. So just like on the playground, all the kids aren't crammed into one area having all their conversations at the same time. In Minecraft, kids who are working on something together can be put in a breakout room where they can cooperate and talk without talking over all the other people doing all the other things. That element of them being able to talk things out, it reduced the conflict itself by, I don't know, 90% probably, just them being able to say, hey, don't do that. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. And then they move on like kids do. Or if a kid, for whatever reason, is struggling, Jill or Wes can take them into a breakout room and hold space for the kids to express their feelings and be heard before returning back to the game. It works. So that's an example of what I mean in terms of us knowing the technology better so we can play work better. You know, I feel like I've been talking only about the the hard parts, but on the days where things were on and where the kids are talking to each other, they're doing all the planning and all I'm really doing is teleporting a kid to get to another kid or helping them when they get lost in the game uh, to find everybody else. It felt like those times where we disappear in an adventure playground where they don't even notice that an adult is there. And I'm just like, oh yeah, this, this is how it's supposed to be. There's, there's sort of a hell dimension in Minecraft called the Nether that they like to go to, and there's it's populated by monsters and things like that. There's these things that look kind of like an octopus with a face, and they float and all this kind of stuff. And they freak some kids out, but this one little girl was saying that she loved it. She was like, oh, no, 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 don't kill it. I like that thing. Well, she said that out loud on the Zoom call while another boy was playing in a different place in Minecraft, but he heard her say that. So while everyone else was in this hell dimension, he was in the regular world building a terrarium for one of those monsters. And so before she left that day, he's like, hey, can you send her over to me? I have something to show her. And so he teleported her over and he showed her that he had built this aquarium for this monster that she liked. And you know, it was just one of those times where you just sit back and just smile. You know, it was just a beautiful thing to see. And it all came from that, that interaction of them being able to talk to each other, regardless of whether they're in the same place in the game. And then it's those moments where there's the magic.
Jill and Wes agree that despite the sort of allergy that people have to screen time and kids, there's a lot of potential for remote play and playwork in Minecraft. If this is something that interests you, you should check out the webinar they have coming up on June 17th, 2020. There's a link to more information and the sign-up sheet, and if they post the video after, I'll put it there too, at our website at playworkpodcast.com. Special thanks in this episode to Chris Martin for coordinating this interview and leading the reporting. You didn't hear his voice, but Chris was asking most of the questions. He's a scholar of Playwork and will be publishing his analysis of our conversation. I'll post the link to that on the website when it's available. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, Jill and Wes. And all the families at the parish school who make it possible for them to do their work and for us to share this story. If you like the show, please rate us five stars and write a review wherever you listen so we will have more than the handful of reviews that we currently have because I know we have more than a handful of you listening. So I'd love to see your reviews pop up. If you have a question for us or a comment or an idea for a future episode, you can email us directly at hello at playworkpodcast.com or find us on Twitter at playworkpodcast. In the meantime, stay safe and take care. Thanks for listening.